1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Purity may seem old-fashioned. However, when you see people that you know get married and both the bride and the groom are physically pure or virgins, the wedding is different. There is a sense of happiness in these weddings that I've seen consistently over the years, where the bride and the groom, they're excited about their lives together and their new sexual experience will be blessed by God. That's something that fornicators cannot say. My sexual relationship is not blessed if I am outside of the blessing of God. And fornication puts a person outside of the blessing of God. They will not have a blessed sex life. They may think they do, but time will tell. That's what I did. I went the other route, the way that seemed right in my mind. And sadly, that element of blessing was absent from our wedding night. And I knew it, even as an unbeliever. I knew that I willingly forfeited my purity because I wanted to be cool and feel like a man. And it was a mistake that set our marriage on another path. And in time, when I came to that place where I repented years later, God began to do a work. And that's what redemption is all about. So you can confess your wickedness and God can set you back on the right path. But you have to understand what it is. You throw away your purity, you throw away something God's given you, and you pretty much slap God in the face saying, yeah, I'm doing my own thing. Because God commands purity, just like he commands a lot of things. And we as selfish, unbelieving people, oftentimes we just toss it out like we do honoring our parents or our sobriety. It's like, we don't need to do that. But for those who stay the course, there's a reward here in this life as well as eternity for those who honor God in all their ways. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I mention that proverb a lot because that is one of the most important things that a believer can do if you want to see the power of God in your life. If you just want to be religious, don't worry about it. Just act like all the other religious people putting on a show. If you want to get real with God, then you trust him and you look at your own understanding and you're like, nah, I'm not going down that way. And you acknowledge him and he fixes things. So to understand a little bit more about purity, I want to look at the word translated defile in our English Bibles. The word defile is used to describe things that have been made unclean, desecrated, or impure by some act. For example, God's people become spiritually defiled when they allow their hearts to become hardened toward him and his holy standards. We see that throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New. This is the majority of humanity, and I believe, personally, the majority of Christians. Obeying God is something we don't like to do, and we've been like this forever. So when we walk away from God, we become defiled by our own lust, and purity then becomes despised. And along with that, we end up despising God. And in the Old Testament, if you were ceremonially unclean or defiled, you couldn't go to the temple or the tabernacle, the place of meeting. This included women after they bore children or when they were having their monthly cycle. They were unclean for a period of time and were not allowed to participate in religious practices. And it was a time where they actually could rest. That didn't mean that they had sinned. It was a physical defilement. It wasn't a spiritual defilement or defiling of the heart. It was just physical. But God looked at that and said, hey, you know, for the time being, take it easy, stay home. And when you are purified from your uncleanness, then come on back. And this was respect for purity before God. The same thing happened if someone touched a dead body. we got to remember, they didn't have funeral homes or hospitals or anything back then, so this would be a common thing. You know, your mom or dad dies, you're the one that takes care of it. And there was nothing wrong with it regarding their purity of heart and their responsibilities toward their family. But nonetheless, if they touched a dead body, they became unclean for a time. 
We also see that sex can render a person unclean or defiled in Leviticus fifteen sixteen. If a man has an emission of semen, he shall bathe his whole body with water and be unclean until evening. Again, this is ceremonially unclean. So you had to be ceremonially clean to visit the tabernacle or the temple. That was a big thing. Jacob, whose name would later be changed to Israel, had a daughter who committed fornication with a man in Genesis 34, 5. It says, now Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah, he being a young man named Shechem. But his sons were with his livestock in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came. You can read the story. It's a pretty crazy story. But essentially what happened was she was defiled. She was a virgin, and now she was not. Therefore, she was considered defiled, separated from God by sin. That doesn't mean you can't repent of it, obviously, but we got to look at these things and say, you know, hey, some things we need to honor before God, and our purity is one of them. Murder defiles or makes the land unclean. Numbers thirty-five, thirty-three: you shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it. God promotes capital punishment and demands it of murderers, because innocent blood shed in the land defiles the land. And it goes back to Exodus twenty-one twenty-four: an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for hand, foot for foot. So it's appropriate justice, and this would undefile the land, or atone for the land. And think of our country, and how many people get away with crime, and how many murderers are not executed, but allowed to live. Our land is totally defiled, spiritually. There is so much innocent blood shed in our country, it's pathetic. And we wonder why things are getting so crazy and weird and evil. And all these things and more are considered defiling to a person, making them unacceptable to have communion with God. And until the issue is dealt with, and the sin is paid for or atoned for, then this defilement remains. So in a nutshell, where sin defiles a person, fellowship with God is broken. So to avoid being defiled and maintain that fellowship with God, we must focus on obeying God. This is where many believers get tripped up. You know, we go to church, we attend Bible studies, we help out at church, but we still feel alienated from God, or God's not doing anything cool in our lives. Why? We'll take a quick inventory of our unconfessed sin. By doing that, it reveals the answer. We've become defiled by something, and oftentimes we know what it is, but we just don't want to let it go. Or we don't want to take it to God and say, forgive me, Lord, I have sinned. This is a raunchy thing. Can you please take it away? But remember, God is holy. And since we are made in his likeness, we are supposed to be holy as well. So we can approach him and have that fellowship which we are designed to have with him. And purity involves not just the body, but the mind. And you put those two together, the body and the mind being pure, then the spirit can engage. And again, we're supposed to be holy. We're not. We're human. But God's Holy Spirit in us produces holiness. And if we allow that to happen, we yield to the Holy Spirit, then God will begin to steer us in that direction toward Him and toward holiness. Psalm 24, 3, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So the blessings from God come from those who have clean hands and a pure heart. And this may be dismissed by those who view, quote-unquote, blessings from God in a negative manner, thinking that they would rather bless themselves and have fun and do it their way. They have no idea what a blessing from God is. And as I have aged and have met a lot of people over time, I have seen consistently those who want to bless themselves end up a mess 
in their final years in life, while those who have lived their lives pursuing the blessings of God have done far better. And as people age, they can get more and more weird. And when their lives are all about themselves, they just keep getting weirder and weirder. And when they can no longer please themselves or do whatever it takes to live a life that they want for themselves, then they become mean and bitter and even more selfish to the point where nobody wants to be around them. Go visit a retirement home. You'll see lots of people like that. And then compare them to the other people that are happy. They have lived their lives blessing others, not just blessing themselves. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the pure in heart, they're different, and they'll have that connection with God. They're going to see the power of God in their lives. They're going to get it. And Jesus, once again, arguing with the religious leaders about their hypocrisy, he says in Matthew twelve thirty four, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And that's not very encouraging. Every careless word, you know, we got to be careful and control our mouths and more importantly, control our hearts because that's where the wickedness resides. So in our relationship with God and with others, having a pure heart, it puts us in that place where we can approach God and have fellowship with him. But having a defiled heart will be evident by the words that come out of our mouths. And again, we're accountable for every one of those words. Proverbs ten nineteen. when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Here's another translation that kind of made me laugh. The more you talk, the more likely you are to sin. If you're wise, you'll keep quiet. There's a lot of people that would do wise to heed Proverbs 10:19. So purity in heart is important, and approaching marriage physically pure is also important so you can have that fellowship with God, because God cares about our purity and of our reputation of purity before marriage. And there's an interesting passage in Deuteronomy 22, verse 13, regarding this reputation issue. God takes our reputation seriously. If any man takes a wife and goes into her, that means they have sex, and he hates her and accuses her of misconduct and brings a bad name upon her, saying, I took this woman, and when I came near, I did not find evidence of her virginity. Then the father of the young woman and her mother shall take and bring out the evidence of her virginity to the elders of the city in the gate. And the father of the young woman shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man to marry, and he hates her. And behold, he has accused her of misconduct, saying, I did not find in your daughter evidence of virginity. And yet this is the evidence of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the cloak before the elders of the city. Study that up and figure it out. Then the elders of that city shall take the man and whip him, and they shall fine him a hundred shekels of silver, and give them to the father of the young woman, because he has brought a bad name upon a virgin in Israel. And she shall be his wife, and he may not divorce her all her days. In other words, you really screwed up. You did a bad thing, and you're going to take care of this woman. You will never divorce her. You will provide for her. You will give her everything she needs. And on top of that, you get a beat down. See ya. Purity brings in blessings from God, and it allows us to understand God a little bit better, and it also allows us to understand the devil. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded and watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. The devil is constantly setting traps for humanity. Some are pretty obvious, while others seem pretty harmless, but his end game is our fall. 
But God's victory awaits all those who love him, but we have a responsibility to obey him. In Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality. I wonder why that's always at the front of the list. Hmm. Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So we need to take our relationship with God seriously and start putting off the evil and embracing the holy. And if anybody has chucked their purity in Colossians 3, 5 through 10, what we just read, you're reading that going, oh my gosh, that's me. Come to Jesus. He cleanses us of all unrighteousness, meaning we can have that pure heart again. We can be pure in God's eyes if the Holy Spirit is running the show. We are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We can be forgiven of all those things that defiled us. And the Holy Spirit indwelling us makes us new. Anyone can be washed by the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in newness of life. Thank you.